0: You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 333. I'm your host, András Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison, Pontus Böckmann, and Claire Klingenberg. See ya Stock.
1: Hello. Hey, son, hey, son. Every day.
2: Woohoo. hey, double <laughs> day. Great. We have Claire back on the show. That was a long time ago.
0: We have Pontus back on the show as well. That was a long time ago <laughs> <Yeah>. as well.
2: <laughs> I'm back.
3: My I'm back. heart literally yeah. rose when I heard the hey, son, hey, son. <laughs> uh,
0: very good, very good. Not,
2: not in a bad way. I hope because. No. Uh, <laughs> I'll come back to my heart rate in a few seconds, but I just want to say we're halfway to six, six, six. This is. Oh three. yeah. Three, three, Very excited. Halfway to hell.
3: I'm on the halfway to hell. Yeah, and the all singing,
2: all dancing podcast.
3: (laughs) Welcome to your singing and dancing European podcast. Yeah.
2: No, but I I think I should get out of the way before we get going here uh, to say, uh, speaking of heart rates, is that I had a bit of a breakdown. And that's why I've been away for, I think it's four episodes that I had to skip. I realized I had 105 as a pulse after resting for two hours. That's not healthy. And uh, and then uh, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. And uh, I will save the whole thing. I will probably somehow communicate this in more detail at another time and place or so, because I think it's important to talk about, because this can happen to anybody. But there's a lot of stigma about it, and people don't talk about it. Yeah. So what happens is I have a fairly free time i i don't have a regular work to go to so i woke up every morning for three years full of energy and ambition and i did everything i wanted to do i was happy as a clam as they say and it didn't matter if it was a one monday or a weekday or christmas eve or whatever and i just loved it and just suddenly um, my body or my brain said you can't do this anymore stop stop you need to rest mm-hmm. so that's what i've been doing um Yeah, that's it. I feel much better now. And I'm very, very careful not to overdo anything. I take long walks. Uh, I got two comments. People don't see this because you hear this. But uh, both Claire and uh, Andra said, you look tanned. And, and yes, I do. Because I've been taking
0: long walks in the
2: sun and all good stuff. Anyway, so that's <laughs> about
0: it. <laughs> well, first of all, it's really good that you're back. We missed you a lot. We did. But it was completely understandable. Obviously, we didn't want to share the details with with the audience. It was your job. Mm-hmm. And you did the right thing. It's the responsible thing to do. And we need you for for god knows how Pope. long how long more For, for poking example. The no 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 for a long long time so we we're expecting you to be around in a good shape for a long long time so please take care of yourself and yeah. uh, that that refers to everyone else as well yes <laughs> i intend to stick and around
2: yeah because
1: you know you actually are a, like an amazing role model for this like Multi-purpose skeptic and who's always so energetic and so kind. So we absolutely do need you along. Uh, (laughs) And and with when. The skeptic movement, and also as a friend, because you are uh, an amazing person. Wow! But just one thing to keep in mind are you sure it wasn't a curse from the Vatican?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Could be, but I mm-hmm. will curse them Good back. Question. I will yes, curse them please back. Do. <laughs> I'm sure that's just I'm as hoping. effective. <laughs> yeah, jokes on you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about me. I'm now. Uh, uh, Apart from the tan, I now are blushing as well. So let's, let's switch to something. <laughs> Thanks
0: a lot. Very colorful person.
3: <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah, something we commented on is, of course, Pontus 10, but something that we got a lot of comments about was Twish about Ricky Gervais. I think we n- you never got that many comments.
0: <laughs> I knew in you knew that, that uh, it would be the case. So, yeah, that yeah, he's controversial. He's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: And I just wanted to take the time to make it like really clear to our listeners that, yes, we can talk about comedians like that, but in the end, it boils down to us that we do respect all of our listeners 3000%. And trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are non-binary. Be who you are, love who you love, and just be an awesome skeptical person.
0: <laughs> here, here. Yeah, but, but I, I'd like to make a comment on, on this as well. Because I think we sh- should make a distinction. Respecting someone and disagreeing with someone are two different things. And respect Definitely. doesn't necessarily mean that we shy away from discussing stuff. And uh, this is why I think it wasn't the wrong thing to do to bring no. up Ricky Gervais no, no. and to celebrate Ricky Gervais's birthday. But um, some people think that because of him being controversial, it's disrespectful towards groups of people to speak highly of Rick Gervais. That's a bit of an issue that we come across very often in the skeptical movement. People try to st- stop other people discussing certain, well, difficult or controversial issues. It shouldn't be the case. Uh, Scepticism should be about putting out your ideas, putting out and and measuring constantly constantly your views and putting them out to be tested by others as well. And humor and comedy is one of the best ways to do that, I think. To make people talk about stuff.
1: I
3: think it's just important to, like, yes, speak your mind, use evidence-based, like, use facts to speak your mind. We have an opinion that we can all voice, of course. Um, I think it's just important that, yes, humor is humor, but discrimination is also a big thing. So, like, there's a fine line between humor and discrimination, and I think that's why I, like me, Annika Harrison, as a personal person, (laughs) just wanted to say again that I'm supportive of, of trans rights and of LGBTQIA and we all everything are. else and i think we all are just so that people Including don't misunderstand base, by the way <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> now it right. should be quite obvious from yeah. listening to this show yes that's right okay but uh, before we move on claire yes what have you been up to lately i mean it's, it's been a long time since you last visited us on the show
1: yeah so, um actually, since we're pulling out all the personal stuff, I have been dealing with a lot of depression, and I did not address it in the correct way, which kind of led to a series of breakdowns as well. So, uh, finally, I am working with it the way I was supposed to, I'm getting the treatment that is necessary for it. So, however, that did hinder a lot of my work, but now I'm back up and swinging. <laughs> I am very, very excited uh, to go with you guys to Australia this November. That's going to be awesome.
0: It (laughs) is.
1: Yes. I'm super, super excited about that. Yeah. Just personally, I've been kind of doing a lot of czech based work, a lot of skeptic work in the Czech Republic. I've been trying to target kind of a new audience for skeptic content, kind of developing the Czech skeptic Instagram a little bit more. Yeah, and of course, I'm looking forward to the European Skeptics Congress that's coming up in Vienna right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Yeah. And also, uh, about a month ago, I got my first death threat. So I guess oh, that makes Jesus me an official Christ. skeptic now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well. Is that a requirement, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or I don't know. Like I, I kind of feel like it's a s- certain like rite of passage yeah. for us as skeptics ah, okay. in a way. Okay. So I've been there, done that. I do not want to repeat that ever again. Um, yeah.
0: Wow. Do you want to talk about it in, in a bit more detail? Or you prefer not to?
1: Oh, no, no. Actually, I'm trying to talk about it. My therapist told me that I need to. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay, here's, here's a session. <laughs> you don't need to pay for it.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. So what happened was that uh, I was representing our skeptic group at the biggest Czech science fair or science festival. And uh, first I had my airdrop turned on my phone, which is a function iPhones have where you can share amongst other people with iPhones, photos or files, or other media. And... I had that on so the festival goers could send me photos of being at our stand, and I got this first photo of a trash can from the festival with, like, the words, you are trash written on it, and uh, I did not really pay much attention to that because, you know, as skeptics, we get much worse stuff, (laughs) like, on a regular basis, so, you know, someone sending me a photo of a trash can with, like, an arrow and you are trash doesn't really kind of shake you, so it was quite funny But then I got a second message with a picture of guns and saying, I'm about to kill all people here. And that, of course, like freaked me out, especially being half American. And it being the week Mm -hmm. after that big shooting in Texas, I, I hit the floor and I was trying to convince my Czech colleague to also hit the floor. And he was absolutely confused. Like, um... I kind of made it now into a joke that there, if there's something that really unites Americans, it's not Thanksgiving, it's not Independence Day, but it's hearing the command, hit the ground, Jesus and everyone Christ. does, regardless of political party or uh, any kind of other affiliation. But yeah, he kind of, so he calmed me down, I called the police, and the police were completely uninterested. They did nothing At all. They just kind of, they were four of them and they completely disregarded anything. They refused to look at the cameras. They refused to act in any way. And then they asked me to come down to the station and they refused to let my husband in with me to give the statement. And I didn't have anyone else there because it was too quick to get anyone, any kind of legal representation or anything. And I did not realize it at the time, but they're not allowed to bar a second person to come in with you. So I made the statement with the policeman where he asked me, okay, so what is it that you do? And I said, so wh- wh- we, what we do is we explain myths and we uh, debunk uh, misinformation. We uh, explain... What's, you know, conspiracy theories and what's behind them. And I just kind of tried to explain what, what, what is that we do? And he started writing and said, okay, so you create conspiracy theories. I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's not create. It's explain and, you know, debunk because those words kind of do sound similar in Czech, but I did not understand like how from the context he came to that conclusion. So it was, it was a, it was a wild thing. So anyway, then, uh, the next day, I went back to the festival. Well, I went back to the festival the same day as well. And it was recommended to me to have some private security. So I did have private security for a few hours, for four hours to be specific. And five minutes after the guy from the private security left, I got a third message with someone. It was a a, a GIF of someone using laser eyes to destroy a policeman. Ooh. And to me, it felt like, you know, I know that she had someone here, but that person is gone and I really don't care kind of thing. And then another colleague of mine came to the stand and I told him what kind of was happening. And he went ballistic. I think you all know Laos, Keisha.
0: Yes. Uh, yes he,
1: he's our ex-chairman of, of our organization. So he... When ballistic and he convinced me to write up a message or, or tweet on Twitter and on Facebook and everything. And that got the intention of a charity that deals with people, usually deals with victims of hate crimes, which this is clearly not. I'm, I'm not in any way claiming that I was the victim of a hate crime, but it's just that this charity pays attention to our content. So they alerted the different branch of the police. And that's how the police became interested in the whole thing. Wow. And now they uh, brought me in for another interrogation, a different branch of the police. And that was like a completely different thing. And now they're taking it seriously. And they even sent some guys to watch over me at a public event I had uh, recently. But yeah... um It's been a wild ride. But there was a funny moment, though. The second branch of police, they came to the festival to kind of see the layout. And they actually, you know, went to see where the picture was taken of trash and everything. But when they came to our skeptic stand, they took me aside and they uh, pointed at one of my colleagues and they asked Does he have an iPhone? Because he looks like he could be the one. And I said, no, 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 (laughs) no. That that he he's not like a a deviant. He's just a skeptic. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He looks suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it kind of felt at times of being like in the middle of a Monty uh, Python movie, and also like. It was so many threat, like scary, terrifying moments, but so many like hilarious moments at the same time as well. So it's kind of been a really mixed bag of emotions. But supposedly they're closing in on whoever it was. I don't know what that means. What does that phrase like? actually mean in practice but they yep. narrowed
0: it down to about 300 people
1: but yes exactly <laughs> so that would be my assumption but anyway they are this grant is trying and so far my dealing with this particular department it's the department of extremism and terrorism and i was thinking well i, I, I don't think we need to go that far <laughs> it's like i just wanted to make sure that everyone was safe as well because that was the scariest thing that the police did not care at this festival where mm-hmm. there's usually about twenty thousand people throughout the weekend and yeah. and on Thursday, when it happened, there were buses of kids there mm-hmm. that they just did not give uh, did they not care? It, uh, I don't care if it was a joke or it was like in, or it was just like aimed at me just to scare me. but I can't imagine at any of our just congresses when where there's two hundred people maybe that if I was like in any way responsible for this Congress and anyone there got this kind of message. I think I would absolutely overreact and I would demand that the police actually do something. But the coordinators of the event were also very cool and calm about it. I kind of wonder if the reaction would have been different if it came by letter or email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I read your Czech report on it with Google
3: Translate. (laughs) Yes. You actually said that the police asked you repeatedly, why did you accept it? Like, why did you have airdrop on? And I was just like, yeah, just blame the victim. That's like classic.
1: Yeah, that was another thing. Like, yeah, why did you like, where did you accept the airdrop? I thought it was from someone there, like from one of the festival goers. And also how is that relevant in any way, shape or form? (laughs) Like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that you were not in America, and the police might have uh, assessed it as not real, because here in Europe, it's not a thing, usually. Being dismissive about it is probably not necessarily the usual thing that police would do, but it's just – it sounds – Fortunately, in Europe, it sounds so out of this world. So Well, you say that, but there was another
2: shooting in yes. Oslo and then in Copenhagen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the
1: thing. Like, uh, yes, that's absolutely true. But the Czech police actually has a very sophisticated... Uh, in the meantime, I've gotten very informed about the re- what the Czech police is used to deal- dealing with and not. And so okay. what happened actually on that same day was that someone posted a Facebook comment threatening to shoot up another event somewhere and it was just a facebook comment the person was not even in that city but the police yeah. activated their protocol nonetheless and that person wasn't even there he just made a threat on facebook yeah yeah. and like this was a case where the perpetrator had to be there because you have to be within 10 meters of mm-hmm. the person to send the airdrop so, yeah, yeah but and, and supposedly the Czech police have a very good protocol on this, that they even get invited to various conferences <laughs> to present their protocols. But I was told by someone within the police that it's always the issue of the human factor. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, you can have like the protocols, like Abdul Wazoo, you can have like high quality protocols, but it's still about the human factor in the end. Yeah, yeah.
2: Apparently you have to talk to the right police.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. Murphy's Law. They're all very good, except for the team you get. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly.
3: <laughs>
2: wow.
1: And also, just like the comment that doesn't happen here, true. I mean, we do not have the same amount of events like this in Europe in general. But, for example, just in the Czech Republic, it's not unusual for like students to go and stab their teacher. Again, yeah. these are cases that I found afterwards because they're mm-hmm. not medialized that much, which is a good thing. But it kind of gives you the wrong perception of the safety that you're in. And of course, uh, you know, stabbing one person is different than having a gun and shooting a, shooting up a whole group of people. And also the access in, to guns in the Republic is incredibly limited, fortunately. But you never know when it's going to break. And you never know yeah. when it's going to, when someone's going to be serious. And if we see these, like we uh, mentioned Oslo and Copenhagen, you never know when it's going to be our first time. So yes. it's. Yeah. I think it's always better to err, err on the side of caution yeah. when it comes to this. Definitely. Yeah,
0: exactly. I agree. I just mentioned this as a, yeah. a perceived thing. Perhaps this is how it can really take us by surprise if that happens. All right. Well, yeah, quite oof. a story. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it, is,
0: it is quite a story. So, yeah, let's focus on the positive things. Yes. So, yeah, we, are, we have events coming up, hopefully, without that kind of disturbing stuff emerging in the background. So, it's the European Skeptics Congress. Anything in particular that you wanted to mention about that?
1: So, it's actually kind of the first Congress in a long time mm-hmm. that's <laughs> being organized. Cho- well, number one, it's the first Congress in a long time. Period. But also, it's it's period. But also, it's uh, the first Congress in a long time that it's being organized, not just by the host country, but by the EXO board as well. Or primarily by the EXO board with with great help when it comes to like on-site issues from the host country. The host country this time is Austria, and the city will be Vienna. I think it's going to be a really interesting Congress because we are going to have it on the conspiracy weekend on 9-11. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be talks regarding that. And also this time we've decided to take a little bit of a different approach. Instead of doing individual talks, we are doing more of a panel-centered conference or congress which will give kind of an everyone more the option to chat, which was our goal, especially after we hadn't had a chance to talk in person for such a long time. Mm-hmm. So this will be a great way to open up uh, more conversations and have people interact with each other more.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, and since Exo uh, is an umbrella organisation, it's probably the right thing to do. I mean, bringing people to a table and having them talk about stuff together and trying to tend to figure out what different uh, direction to move to. It's it's cool. Really looking forward to that. We we
2: should also mention that the early bird uh, period has been extended because there was some marketing going on that was delayed. So we didn't want to do the marketing and then people would find out that the early bird had expired. So the early bird date now is that you should register before the 31st of July. And then, or even on the 31st of July, you can do that. And then you get about, depending on what ticket you get, a 10 euro discount. So please sign up.
3: Yes, please Definitely.
2: Do. Yeah, and you do that on exo.org. So E-C-S-O, what is it?
1: <laughs> E-C-S-O dot O-R-G. Thank you, Claire. I'm That's am that going put that in the show I'm just yes. managing the website at the
2: moment. I don't know the URL
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just bookmark just click there but but in yeah but in any case please do follow us on facebook and oh. on twitter and on instagram we're on all these platforms please be twittering about us as pontus put it <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh and well, speaking of instagram we also have an instagram page now
0: oh yes oh, yeah, right. everyone so awesome everyone instagram.
1: turn on your instagram right now I open your Instagram app, go and follow the ESP, and then go follow the European Skeptics Congress. Exactly. And so you are up to date on everything else.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, but we do have a show to produce here, so uh, we, should, we should probably move on. And as usual, we start the show with Twish, also known as This Week in Skeptical History. And I have to mention that it's not only related to skepticism, but also the larger field of science. So the 5th of July marked the anniversary of a very important event, namely the first publication of one of the most important works in the history of science. And that is the book Philosophiae Naturalis Principia Mathematica, or Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy. And it was written by none other than the great... Sir Isaac Newton, according to Alexis Clairaut, a French mathematical physicist, "...spread the light of mathematics on a science which up to then had remained in the darkness of conjectures and hypotheses." And uh, that is quite true. Many, many people have praised uh, Newton's Principia, as it's often being referred to. It had several different editions, and the first edition was published on the 5th of July, 1687. A couple of years later, already, he published a revised version, like a a couple of modifications, correcting a couple of mistakes um, that he Typical found. science, always changing their minds, huh? Yes, yes, yes. Improving yeah. is what we call it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, that is quite an improvement, but his work was um, divided in three books. The first two books were titled *De Motu Corporum, well, about the movement of bodies. And uh, one of the greatest part of that was how he explained the observations and the older data gathered by Johannes Kepler. This is how the laws of the movement of planets that Kepler formulated really... Who was, by the way, the royal astronomer for a long time in Prague? So, just saying. (laughs) <laughs> I had to um, make a reference to the Czech Republic, the current Czech Republic. Yeah, so he explained a lot of the, a lot of the things behind Kepler's laws, but he didn't stop there. He gave a, like a universal explanation of how the big bodies in the universe move and um, extrapolated that to the smaller, infinitely small kinds of movements that can be applied to smaller bodies that we encounter in our everyday life as well. He came up with all the different laws of uh, motion, and we still keep referring back to him. And gravity was the central part of all that movement, and it is (laughs) by nature. But he gave a mathematical explanation of all that, and that is what was really revolutionary about his work. And uh, his approach to the mathematical part of it is now a huge part of what we call calculus he came up with well when it, when it came to the infinitely small movements, infinitely small changes in movement and all that, they formulated part of uh, the, the basis for integral calculus, for, for example. It's a really cool thing to, that that he came up with it. It's absolutely a milestone of modern science. So no wonder he is considered one of the fathers of uh, modern science. I think people often compare the importance of his work in physics to that of Darwin's in biology. He managed to give an organizing principle behind everything that we see in our everyday life. And that cannot be emphasized enough, how important that was for the later development of scientific ideas. So the first publication of Newton's Principia, or the Philosophiae Naturalis Principia Mathematica, was on the 5th of July, 1687 and we applaud that even after more than 300 years great and with that well when it comes to science and uh well late recognitions and all that i think the catholic church is pretty high up there <laughs> referring back to things like galileo and galileo Galilei and things that uh, the church um, rehabilitated after more than 300 years. So uh, let's see what the Pope has been up to. And since uh, Pontius has not been doing this for a long time, I'm pretty sure a lot of things have uh, been compiled in (laughs) the meantime. So Pontius, have you got something to poke the Pope for?
2: Yes, well, it's been a while. For obvious reasons. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned science because uh, Frankie actually quoted science later on. Or he believed he did anyway. Well, I'll come to that. But first, I'm I'm glad that you gave Frankie a little airtime last week by giving him a really right for making the Pius XII archive available online. For those who are not aware, Pius XII, or as his real name was, Eugenio Maria Giuseppe Giovanni (laughs) Pacelli. The first, I would add to that one. Um, he was uh, the Pope during World War Two, and actually all the way to 1958. Evil tongues have called him Hitler's Pope, quote-unquote, because of him being um, too compliant and too accommodating versus the Third Reich. So it's good now that the archives have been opened up, so we can see for ourselves and not just rely on rumor and speculation, what Pius actually did or did not do or say or did not say to Hitler and others. Frankie did actually open up the archives already two years ago, but only for accredited researchers on site in the Vatican, uh, or on the Vatican, in the Vatican, you could be invited to do that, but... Those researchers, ironically enough, couldn't go there because of COVID restrictions. So now they're available. Some say that Frank is doing uh, the same thing against Putin that Pius did against Hitler, being too lenient. The real malevolent interpretation is that Putin's Pope is now opening the archives to Hitler's Pope just as a distraction. I think that is a little over the top, but I just want to mention that people are saying that. On the other hand, why didn't he open it up for digital access two years ago? Anyway, a number of things else has happened with the Pope while I was away. In short, there are questions still about Frankie's health and whether he wants to resign or not. We don't believe he will. I don't believe he will. But he's open for the idea, he has said quite recently. But the health issues have forced him to cancel his uh, African trip to South Sudan and Congo, which was scheduled for this summer. He will still go to Canada, though, as far as we know. Very soon, that is, on the 24th of July, to hopefully apologize on-site and in-person for all the terrible things that happened to indigenous children who were forced to go to Catholic schools in the late 1800s and all... All through the first half of the 1900s, over a thousand of them ended up in unmarked graves, believe it or not. But even more of them must have been scarred for life because of the abuse that they got there. Speaking of abuse, one of the newly named cardinals that I mentioned several episodes ago that will be officially installed in August, he has declined. Citing that he did not want to add to the suffering of survivors of clerical sexual abuse who have criticised his appointment, this is the Belgian Bishop Lucas van Loy of Ghent or Ghent. As far as I know, he's not suspected for to be an abuser himself, but as countless other bishops, he has been accused of not handling abuse cases very well. Uh, Maybe Frankie should have thought of that before he (laughs) decided to name him cardinal. But good for him to actually decline. So no, I I won't do it. This is one of the older cardinals, so he wouldn't have a vote anyway in, in the next conclave. So it would be more like a symbolic appointment anyway. All right, two more things. Just for everyone to remember who Frankie really is. He he recently came out as a supporter of having a mandatory year between getting engaged and getting married. And he stressed that there should be no hanky-panky
0: well, the, <laughs> not not his words, not his words. <laughs> okay, before I, I I also I immediately <laughs> had it ring in my ear. <laughs> poetic license, poetic license.
1: How, how would you say hanky panky in Latin,
0: though? Uh, hangus, hangus, funcus,
1: hangus. Hangus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no hanky panky before the wedding. Uh, I think we all realize how stupid that is, and I don't know the church, the Catholic Church seems hell-bent on making sure that living together is as difficult as possible and setting you up for failure and then blaming you if it fails and not allowing divorce and stuff. Why the hell are they so interested in our private lives? But, last thing, of course, even worse. Although quite expected, he has come out as saying he respects the US Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade and removing the right to abortions in the U.S. He repeated his old position about abortion being like hiring a hitman. That is his words. And then then, back to science, he claims that he has science behind him. So listen to this genius, I quote, Frankie Boy saying this, quote, In this we have to be scientific, see what science tells us today. End quote. Oh, Nora, end quote. But I pause here to say, so far, yeah. I agree with him, okay? But he goes on. <laughs> yes, but only. he goes on. He should have stopped there. He goes on, quote, Science Today and any book on embryology, it's good for him to know that word, the one our medical students study, so that's apparently only one then, it tells you that 30 days after conception, there is DNA and the laying out already of all the organs, end quote. 30 days after inception there is DNA yeah suddenly after 30 days where was it before? I don't know
3: (laughs) (laughs) in God's hand Andros come on
2: (laughs) DNA magically appears after 30 days so don't take Mm. medical advice from this guy people (laughs) he hasn't got a clue and
3: it's also like if I chop off whatever like fingernail there's also DNA in it that's right that doesn't right. make
2: it uh alive <laughs> no it's even worse than that because it actually starts you can argue that it starts with dna dna is there even before conception and yeah even i know that and i'm i'm a finance guy and <laughs> oh,
0: right. he's and he should know that better because he used to work in a lab uh yeah i don't know so when back when he was young he worked in the lab he was not an engineer who was a technician like a lab technician or something yeah but it so, was for uh, a short while i believe
2: and it, <laughs> maybe he was just sweeping up the dna from the floor and yeah but guys
3: yeah, like dna only <laughs> got invented 30 years doing. ago
0: <laughs> oh that's right that's right well it it was discovered not too long ago but still <laughs> it was there yeah. all along yeah
2: he was yeah. yeah yeah all right enough about the pope uh, we'll see what he does
0: next week <laughs> <laughs> but it's so classic isn't it referring to science and and talking rubbish about science yeah the classical pseudoscientific approach Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely yeah by the way with the thing of uh about retiring and everything i studied theology and uh, for a while and part of that was uh, of course courses on church law and vatican law Mm -hmm. and our professor was absolutely convinced that there is a very interesting conspiracy happening within the Vatican where they don't want to allow a Pope over the age of 85. And John Paul was aware of that. And that's why he asked to be unhooked from the machines when he turned 85. And that's why Benedict also retired uh, and became Pope Emeritus at the age of 85. So wow. I never came across this Anywhere else, just in this one particular course. But yeah, Yeah. here we go. And now you're spreading
2: it. Now (laughs) you're spreading it. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. You can
1: always cut me out. You can always help me out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you very much for that, Pontus. And we are moving on to discussing what's been going on lately in Europe, also known as the news.
3: (laughs) Yes. And apparently, it's jarring to think that, but apparently one in six adults in the UK does not believe that climate change is mainly caused by humans.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, um, the King's College in London conducted the study and it was based on 12,000 adults. Yeah, I came about a quote by Professor Bobby Duffy, who I have to say is the most British name I've heard. (laughs) 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 And they said... The finding is a real concern, as it may affect support for action. Like, yes, if if a sixth of all adults think that this is, like, a coincidence, or at least not human-made, that's, like, jarring. The problem is that they also underestimate how much scientists agree, and that's the classical problem with the false balance that we know in the media, is we know that 99.9% of of all scientists agree that climate change is human-made. But if you have one person against and one person for human-made climate change in the media, then it's a portrait difference of 50-50 and not yeah. 99.9 and 0.1.
0: <laughs> exactly. False balance.
3: Yeah. So the majority of people in the UK, 72%, accept a, hum- a role of humans. Um, and a quarter of the UK public even says that it's already harming them, climate change. But... The number of people who believe that it's not caused by humans is, as I said, like about a sixth, and it's similar to Germany, 18%, and Poland, 16%. So uh, Britain was 17%. -hmm. Norway is even (laughs) different because they are nearly a quarter of adults held that opinion. You can see that also older people are usually more optimistic, aged 55 and over 60% thought it was not too late, whereas with 18 to 34 year olds, 34% think you can do something about it. Yeah, and if you think about the whole climate change issue, it's even more surprising that people or some people don't believe in it because there have actually been deaths in Germany because of heat waves. This year it hasn't been too bad. But I think (laughs) my husband, who's Australian, always says Germans suck at ACs. So (laughs) we're really good at insulating our house for winter. But we really suck at like ventilation or or any kind of cooling. Like most of our buildings don't have any fans or cooling systems um, especially not in uh, in the private domain i know that some libraries now have it but <laughs> or some some uh, council houses some institutions but that's also like still not a given like most institutions don't and the problem
0: is well, germany is so weird yeah. you, don't need, you don't even accept card payments in, in most of the places <laughs> so it's w- w- what's what's happening germany Are you still in the Middle Ages or what? Yes. Um, yes Although I have to say that uh, AC requires a shitload of energy.
3: That's true. So uh,
0: your country and your economy is already the most energy-hungry economy in the the, the (laughs) European Union. So imagine what would happen with hundreds of thousands or even millions of ACs. Yeah,
3: I mean, I know that's true. But on the other hand, if there are literally people dying... Yeah, And we're not talking about two people here. Um, there were, between 2018 and 2020, almost 20,000 heat-related deaths were recorded. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. especially among elderly people, because in Germany, people are somewhat afraid of a draft that's coming through the window. So they're like, oh no, we don't want to get a cold. <laughs> so they don't even open hmm. the windows or the doors. And then they basically just cook themselves. And that's why I'm like, yes, this will be very, very energy. It will cost a lot of energy. But if people are literally dying, I feel like I'd much rather have an AC running. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's it's really important to keep in mind that, that climate change is a real thing and there are people already impacted by it.
0: Yeah, we see it happening. Yeah. Yeah yeah. But still propaganda and uh, disinformation campaigns can really shift attitudes and shift the, the mindset of people and it's not only about climate change, it's not only about uh, COVID-19 or any kind of uh, pandemic situation but also about things like uh, the war in Ukraine. This phenomenon accelerated since the break of the war because uh, online disinformation is a very powerful tool in the hands of the Russian state and state media backing all this uh, disinformation campaigns. And this is what the UK government is trying to tackle at the moment. So they introduced a bill a couple of months ago, it's the online safety bill, that aims to protect citizens from disinformation and they try to force the online actors, mostly social media platforms, to try and prevent the nonsense from spreading. And uh, they do have the tools for that. They do have the algorithms that could be twisted, that could could be could be changed in a way that helps this situation. But uh, now they try to make it even more serious. So there is an amendment uh, proposed on that bill. If it passes, it will require social media platforms to take action to minimise any kind of exposure to foreign state-backed disinformation and uh, that could interfere with UK politics or social bonds. So the problem with this is, and it's being discussed in detail, that it's not necessarily the job of the online social media platforms to investigate the claims in such detail that they could find out if it's backed by the Russian state, for example, or any kind of state. This is one of the most important challenges about this. But it's important to make sure that foreign states and foreign actors cannot interfere with any country's inner dealings. Well, so it's now being discussed. It's now being tossed back and forth. And uh, we, we'll see how it goes. But um, the need is there. The aim is to protect citizens or to protect their political advantages in their own countries, because they want to spread their own misinformation, right? They don't need help from foreign government. Yeah, that's just my, my silly comment about that. But uh, yeah, it's it's important to keep an eye out for this. And if it works, if it turns out to be the, the way to go, then uh, other countries might be following them. It's an ongoing issue. It's it's It comes up all the time, but it's not easy to tackle. The
1: points that you made... Is it really in the interests of certain politicians to make regulations on fake news and, and misinformation spread online? That is a really important point when we when we discuss this. And sometimes when we talk about these issues, we forget to calculate with the human element that's not going to be interested in having yeah. these kind of policies. Mm,
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of the human element, there's been some interesting news coming in from Norway. So on the website of Esdart Ernst, there's a guest article from Björn Geir about the steep decline of belief in alternative medicine in Norway. So he explains that in Norway, there's this service called the Norwegian Monitor that performs surveys on the Norwegian people every two years. And they always interview 3,500 people, people from the population I assume every year it's, I mean, every time it's different. (laughs) 3,500 people may come up with very interesting results. And when it comes to the answering of the question, can alternative therapies help when medical doctors have given up? And before the belief was that eight out of 10 people in Norway believed that yes, they could. That was before the turn of the millennium. But ever since we got into the 2000s, there has been a decline. In that belief, to the point that it's turned around, pretty much that there is a much stronger disbelief in. It's more than half of of Norwegians now don't believe in alternative therapies as being a solution after the doctors have given up. So there are a couple of jumps in the, in the offered statistics of and the data. As I mentioned, the surveys connect every two years. It's always on the odd year. So there has been a jump in disbelief in between 2007 and 2009. And then there was another jump from 2011 to 2013. This is explained from various aspects in the article. One of the aspects is that, that there's been better education offered in Norway, which has led to be, uh, people to understand that they cannot always trust their feelings and they have to trust the results of science more and not think about their feelings that much. That's actually in there, no, not thinking about the feelings, but when it comes to not trusting your feelings. So Norwegians have received more education and have less trust in their own feelings. And it comes from an article from the Norwegian State Broadcasting Service. Another point that was mentioned for this was internet access. That there is a belief that with more internet access to get across Norway, this has made people more skeptical. To be honest, I am a bit skeptical of that, <laughs> of that claim. Of, yeah, that's... of that claim. And the last one is that there has been a more trust in authority than there was before.
2: <laughs> well, that seems very unusual. That's contrary to what my feeling is about the rest of the world. How is this happening?
1: Yeah. So to me, it seems that. When someone wants to do, write an article about this kind of topic, you can really tell from the article if the person has some experience with the skeptic movement or with a long-term monitoring of the alternative scene and the esoteric scene and the alternative medicine scene. Because, for example, if I was to interpret this kind of data what I would look at first would be medical reform. Has there been any significant medical reform? It, because alternative medicine thrives on the fact that doctors do not have time for their patients. And they patients feel dismissed by doctor, medical doctors. And one of, that's one of the reasons why they seek out alternative help. So my first step would be to see especially in those two in those years where it was that big jump as there's been medical reform that allows doctors to spend more time with their patients or any new policies implemented. So I I don't think I would go I would like look, look at internet access as a reasoning for, for that because if anything we've learned across the board having access to in the internet does not make people smarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> especially uh, if they don't have the critical thinking tools so I think the going in for the better education in the sense of having critical thinking implemented within the education system would definitely a bit, be a good way to look at it but finding a correlation between internet access and trust and authority and decline in alternative belief, just seems more of a speculation from the original author. And I'm not talking about Björn geyer but the author of the article that Björn geyer uh, translated for the website of Ezra's Ernst.
2: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, because this study, it, I'm just looking very quick, I haven't read it, but it yeah. seems like it's just monitoring how many people trust in natural medicine or yes. alternative medicine, but it doesn't ask any questions about why. Or so so yeah. so everything about why there's a change has to be speculation.
1: Yes, so that's I I wish I've made that clear. So yes, the National Broadcasting Service created an article around the data. And they are speculating from their point of view okay. what it is. So it's not that the researchers themselves teach.
2: that are speculating? No, 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 no. Okay.
1: The, 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 the survey company only provided the data about the decline in belief. And that's what I meant by saying you can tell when someone writes an article who isn't a skeptic or who has no experience yeah. with paying attention to the alternative or esoteric or woo-woo scene in general. Because you can tell that they're kind of going for this, what we would say, so-called obvious reasons. But without the knowledge of of the reasoning behind that. So it's good that there, that there was this article that the Norwegian Broadcasting Service presented, but it would have been better without the spe- speculation that was kind of all over the place. Also interviewing... Well, there was actually a really good thing that they did was interview a homeopath about her experience, and she said that she has noticed a decline in patients over the years.
2: They've been diluted? Uh, or
1: yes they've been downloaded and she claims that it's the influence of the pharmaceutical industry that's trying to take away space of the alternative medicine industry to me again that's like a claim that we hear from the Wu and alternative medicine camp a lot but it doesn't reflect the reality that alternative medicine is a huge industry which we've had, which has lots of lobbyists on its own and uh, especially homeopathy and homeopathic remedy makers yeah. The, <laughs> they, so, the so we need more lobbying for the other side. Yes. That's
0: what I'm saying all the time. We need yes. more lobbying for skeptics and science.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly, precisely. <laughs> so what I think it's gonna be really really interesting to kind of keep this in our the back of our minds, this this data from Norway and to look at it next year when they come up for, with the next fact in 2023 and see how COVID has affected this. Yeah. And because I th- I was surprised to see that there was still a decline between 2019 and 2021. There was still a decline in the belief in alternative medicine. Because I would have assumed that because of all the misinformation that was spread around COVID, that people would start grasping at straws again. Yeah. But Yeah we'll see
2: uh
0: 2023 if which way it
2: goes. Mm. yeah. I'm surprised about this uh, outcome and I wonder now what the situation is in other countries in Europe. Yeah. Speaking of medicine I have an update on the Macchiarini scandal that we have followed for many years now. And we last mentioned a couple of months ago in episode 324, just very short for new listeners. Macchiarini is the surgeon who falsified his research and performed what has been called, quote unquote, experimental surgery on several patients back in 2011, 2012. So it's more than 10 years now. What he did was to replace patients' tracheas with plastic ones. Coated them in stem cells so that they, in the hope that they wouldn't be rejected, and he had published fraudulent research before that of having done so in animals. And it didn't work, of course. The update now is that there's been a court verdict that came down the 29th of June, and he was charged for three of these operations that he performed. And disappointingly, but not surprisingly, he was acquitted, at least for two of the operations. The verdict said that although they were done against, quote, science and proven experience, end quote, which is the technical term, uh, the court accepted his defense that it was done as a last resort in order to try to save these patients' lives. Uh, Well, spoiler, it did not. For the third operation, though, He was not acquitted, since the court found that the results from the two previous cases should have made it clear for him that the procedure was dangerous and without chance of success. But for this last case, he was just given a suspended sentence, which in this case doesn't really mean anything, because he's not practicing anymore. But the sentence will be appealed by the prosecution. Uh, I said I wasn't surprised that he got off very lightly because for for some technical legal reason that I don't understand, he was not charged with malpractice or anything like that, but he was charged with battery, as in assaulting someone with the intention to cause bodily harm. And that would be very, very hard to prove, even implausible. Yeah. Why would he possibly want to harm these patients? He didn't even know them. My understanding is that negligence would not be enough to convict him in this court. And uh, I don't know. So, not surprised. Actually, I'm a little bit surprised that he did get this probation or uh, suspended uh, sentence. But uh, it will be appealed and we will see where it ends up. Long, long scandal that uh, should
0: hopefully be settled eventually. Yeah, you've been we've been talking about this yeah. for years. Probably yeah. as long as this yeah. show
3: is uh, <laughs> has been yeah. on.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, last week we talked about uh, something that the ECDC, the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, did to educate the public and now they have teamed up with the WHO again and they produced a very important toolkit and uh, some, they, they gave some uh, community engagement and communication and community engagement advice to people with regards to dealing with the monkeypox outbreak. So um, I think we all agree that uh, we've learned a lot from from how the COVID-19 situation was dealt with and how much it was a communication issue. And many, many governments across the globe did not really manage to get on top of things when it came to communication and uh, and communicating the necessities and science to the public so now that the monkeypox outbreak is upon us and it, we i'm not saying that it's it has the potential to become um, a serious pandemic situation that the, the covid-19 was But these two very important bodies of uh, professional control of uh, healthcare issues, they wanted to provide this uh, communication toolkit. So what they came up with is titled Risk Communication and Community Engagement Approaches During the Monkeypox Outbreak in Europe 2022. And uh, they uh, start by mentioning the same thing that the COVID-19 pandemic taught us how we need to be on top of things and how it's important, how we communicate uh, the risk And the risks that are entailed. And um, there are a couple of things that uh, need to be said at the beginning of this uh, document. What the risk groups are. Who are the most vulnerable when it comes to the spreading of the monkeypox. And they move on from there to outline a couple of things that are absolutely necessary. And one of the most important things that they mentioned is trusted communicators. So we need to have those people communicating these issues that are actually competent. They know what to talk about and they are not necessarily affiliated with untrusted political groups for example. So they have to be as independent from the political goings-on of everyday lives of people as possible, but have an established trust based on their professional principles, based on their professional field of science. But very important is the peer pressure and the peer effect that those who are uh, very much entrenched in societal groups, they need to be on top of things as well. And they need to be able to communicate the risks to their own people, to the people that really listen to them. And uh, they outline all the communication channels as well that are necessary uh, for this engagement and uh, how the messages should be adapted to the groups that we try to talk to So, a lot of uh, the scientific research that has been done on how to communicate science and how to communicate about the pandemic, for example, have been used for this document. So, based on what I managed to read in the document and see what they referred to, I say that it's very well written and it's based on scientific research. So, uh, yeah, this is a good tool. And yet another thing... Uh, Yet another example of how the ECDC and the WHO do exactly what they are there for. They are there for advice. They are there for providing advice and tools to everyone trying to tackle healthcare issues around the European region. So, uh, well done. Again, ECDC and WHO. Good. And... With that, I think we have covered all the news that we wanted to share with our listeners. So there is one more thing left to do, and it is to find out who's been really wrong lately.
3: Yes, exactly. And this team that will receive this week's prize for being really wrong... Really wrong, <laughs> sorry.
0: Really wrong? Really wrong? What are you? What are you? Jonathan Ross? <laughs>
3: for being really wrong, have been mentioned on the podcast before because they were praised in February and March for wearing yellow uniforms in a show of support of Ukraine. And you might remember who that was. That was the team of cosmonauts that are on the ISS right now. Mm -hmm. And now things have happened and that weeks and months have gone Russia has released a photo of the same team of cosmonauts holding up a flag on the ISS. And it's a very special flag. It's not just a flag, it's a flag showing the colors of the self proclaimed republics of Luhansk and Donetsk, which wow. is a kick in the guts.
0: That is very distasteful. Yes. It's not, wow.
3: And it's even more interesting because accompanying the picture was the message Liberation Day of the Luhansk People's Republic. We celebrate both on Earth and in space. Hmm. Um, yeah, great. It's, people are still wondering how they got that flag onto the ISS. There was Yeah, that was kind of my first
1: question. Yeah, like, exactly. how, did, how did they get it there?
3: <laughs> so, yes, they got a capsule the other day. It should have um, contained food and other supply things, but yeah, it's it's interesting to think about like how it got there. <laughs> yeah, because on third of June, an uncrewed Russian Progress cargo spacecraft docked there, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can pretty much assume that that was w- what it held, but we can't, of course, prove that. And as good skeptics, we don't want to say that's how it got there, but
0: they probably didn't. Weave it up there. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe they, it was delivered by aliens. It came from outside. Yes. Mm. Maybe who it just... support? Yeah, who support them? Yeah, the lizard people. Probably. Yeah, the lizard people. Yeah.
3: Probably, yeah, the yes.
0: lizard
2: people.
3: <laughs> but for posing with this flag and doing propaganda for a state that started a war, the Russian cosmonauts Oleg Artemyev, Denis Matveev, and Sergei Kosakov received this. Week's award for being really wrong.
2: Mm. I would say well deserved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and the reason I think it's so upsetting is that we try to keep science away from political shenanigans. It should be yes an all human endeavor to together find out the science of things, and it shouldn't be used yeah. for propaganda like this.
3: Yeah. If it, if it's a singer or like a celebrity or whatever. They can endorse politics however they want, but science should have a bigger goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the ISS should be a flagship of of science <laughs> and scientific progress. <laughs> oh, no,
3: so. pun intended, oops, oops,
0: oops, No, <laughs> not intended, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <It is. laughs>
3: flag and flag. <laughs> Let's just leave it there.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Annika. Thank you. For handing out a very well-deserved, really wrong award. But before we go... Do you have a quote as well for us? Yes.
3: And this week's quote is by George Orwell. We quoted George Orwell before, but not on this quote. Um, George Orwell was a British author who lived from 1903 to 1950. And the quote is, If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear.
2: Hmm yeah here here (laughs) here (laughs) here good good
1: that's
3: what we're doing as good skeptics
2: (laughs) yes exactly Uh,
1: speaking of that one more thing new thing I forgot to mention and that's starting September there's going to be a new Czech and Slovak show which will be subtitled in English which will it did not start off as a skeptic show, but we got involved in it, and now it is a skeptic show. Ooh, great. <laughs> and <it> looks uh, great. <laughs> and it's, it looks at various paranormal phenomena. their are representatives, and it also includes lots of really cool experiments with telepathy and astrology and all these, the ones that we as skeptics know. But some of them have a little bit of a twist on it. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a really fun, cool show. So I'll tell you more as as uh, it approaches, but that's something also to look forward to this autumn. That's
0: awesome. Wow. L- sounds great. Yeah, do, do keep us posted. That sounds awesome. All right, good skeptics. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank all of you for joining me today. Anika Pontus-Claire, it's been a real pleasure to be with you today. And many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, Goodbye. Cheers. Hello.
3: That's
1: hello.
0: We start. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu all music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.vesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. And why it's really important is because he. Who who
2: wrote it? You haven't mentioned that yet. Oh, sorry.
0: I thought. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I do that. I do that all the time. (laughs) I know. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, it's really good to have you back. Yes. (laughs) You can can have me and check. All right. Are Are you guys there? Yeah, 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 sure.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If liberty means anything. Sorry, I'll do it again.